My mother had an interesting way to use the word temptation. She used it in such a way to express a way of planning her day or as a measure of convenience. For instance, she might say, I'm tempted to go to the supermarket before I get my hair done. Or, I'm tempted to drop by and see Marjorie this afternoon. I haven't seen her for a while. The use was more like a way to say, I have a mind to, or I want to. Using the word tempt infused her decisions with a little bit of thrill or danger, which was a cute thing. <laughs> it was a cute thing to notice about my mother. For she was a good daughter of strict parents and a child of the Great Depression. She was also a praying woman who was mightily tested by difficult times. When I think about her use of the term tempt, it certainly involves a decision, not heavily laced with Christian morality, but one having to do with decisions of right daily living and the care and love of a friend. The temptation here was a small, sweet thing, of course. In no way does this example minimize the moral dilemma of giving in to soul-impacting temptation. Temptation is about testing, and that is certainly what the devil had planned for Jesus. After the 40 days spent in the wilderness fasting and praying and defining his mission, Jesus was approached by the devil at his weakest physical moment. The devil lured, tried to lure Jesus away from goodness, challenging his choice to be humble, obedient, and faithful to God, and to deny physical pleasure and transient temporary glory. But Jesus was not alone. He was strengthened by the Holy Spirit during this time of self-denial and isolation. The devil tests his body, his ego, and his trust in God. Jesus, you are the son of God, claims the Satan, and like the serpent's crafty charms on Eve, playing on her human envy and ambitions, he says, go ahead, change this stone into bread, and you will be satisfied. But Jesus, resisting the test, recalls the words of Moses in his retelling the story of Israel in the wilderness. The book of Deuteronomy emphasizes that our dependence on God is total. Israel is not given their choice of food, but still sustained and nourished by the food given. Complain they did, and God let them through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling them, teaching them until they were ready to receive their promised land flowing with milk and honey. Jesus depends on his knowledge of scripture, using it to fight back at the devil's test. He relies on the strength of the spirit and his training in scripture and is able to say with the authority of experience and perseverance what Moses taught, one does not live by bread alone. The tempter goes a little bigger the second time, since the suggestion to reorder creation, turning rock into food, may not be enticing enough for Jesus. The devil appears to the human greed and pride, desire for earthly powers, political, economic, military, social. 
All earthly glory and adoration will belong to Jesus. You just have to do one little thing. Just worship me and it's all yours. But the devil lies. He always lies. He is not an absolute sovereign. The earth is not entirely his, as though God has no agency on earth. For a man, having spent 40 days in the wilderness, tempted with all the earthly powers and pleasures, could be enticing. In his famished state, Jesus, falling on his train, uh, depending on his training, again from Deuteronomy, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. For Jesus, there will be no idols, no substitutes, no golden calf. Worship only God, for everything else is foolishness. And in the devil's last play, it is literally to make our Lord stumble and perish. He challenges Jesus to test God. The evil one is a little more clever in his third attempt, citing scripture this time to lure Jesus into challenging God's power and promises. Go ahead. Throw yourself off this tower and the angels will save you. And Jesus, again, calling on his practice and memory, cites the words of Moses, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Today's gospel is a bridge from the season of manifestation and light, epiphany, to the new season of Lent. Luke again supports Jesus' authority his sonship and his messianic status to the people of Israel. With the testing of Jesus and the genealogical information given a few verses earlier, we are assured that he is who God says he is. You are my beloved son. In Lent, Jesus turns a mirror on us and with some tough truth-telling to the world as we prepare for Jesus' death and resurrection. But first, in today's gospel, Jesus takes the first step to turn creation back towards restoration, reversing the sin-filled consequences of Adam and Eve in their disobedience to our Lord. Jesus is tested, but he does not succumb. He does the will of his Father. He's completely obedient and showing his fidelity and love to the true power of creation. He has proven that he is the son of God by passing test after test by a mocking devil who slinks away to return at an opportune time. Jesus, in his weakest state, was tested, and that is when we are likely to be tested also. Jesus experienced human humility and frailty as his body wasted, his nerves frayed. But his time in the wilderness, praying and fasting, brought him the insight and clarity he needed to bring to the good news, he needed to bring the good news to the world. The time in the wilderness, he was not alone, but with the Spirit guiding him, ensuring that he was prepared and ready to start on his holy mission. It's no coincidence that powers and principalities were waiting to derail him. The power of evil is no match for the power of God. At every turn, Jesus was upheld by his relationship with God the Father, his study of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The story of Jesus' temptations and testing is also our story. Daily, we are tempted to give in to chaos, but our loving God is with us in our temptations and our trials. The Holy Spirit does not abandon us to fight our inner demons and principalities on our own. God is with us in the wilderness as we are tempted and tested in our weariness and discouragement. He is with us as we hunger for truth and love. God does not will the painful events in our lives. Can God redeem them for us? I believe he can. Through our faith, remember the word is near you on your lips and in your heart. Be faithful.